This is an exciting day. Um, my name is Adam, and I'm the lead communicator here at Downtown Harbor Church. And um, what you may not know, especially if you don't know anything about our history, which is very little at this point, but we've been planning this for a very, very long time. We've been thinking about this and praying about this for years. And this is the culmination of so many of you praying for us and being involved with us and us bouncing decisions off of you and from just the bottom of our hearts. Thank you for being here today. This is a really, really cool day. The first ever day at DHC. Um, and we are talking about today this idea of redefining. We're going to talk today and specifically in the next three weeks about this idea, but today we're going to talk about what it means to redefine the message because we believe at the core of Christianity and the core of the Jesus movement that there's a message. And what does that message mean? How do we put that into practice here today in our city? But before we do that, let's talk about our city a little bit, shall we? Here's a little bit of my history. My wife, Caitlin, and I, Caitlin's an ER nurse at Broward Health, which is just down the road. We're hoping you haven't seen her or don't have to see her today. That would be ugly for a lot of you today. So we're hoping that doesn't happen. But she's down there, and she has been there for six and a half years or so. Her and I moved here six and a half years ago to South Florida. And when we got to South Florida, it was very interesting because we came from a small town in Southeast Michigan. Now, you know that I'm telling the truth that I'm from Southeast Michigan when I do this and show you where I'm from. And let me tell you something. If somebody tells you they're from Michigan and they use the left hand, they, they are lying. It's got to be the right hand. That's the way it is on the map. And we were about from right there, just, just north of Toledo, Ohio. And see, our town was very simple. Everybody pretty much looked the same. We did the same things. There wasn't a lot of culture or variety. It's just where we came from and what we were used to doing. So when we got to South Florida, we were kind of in a little bit of a state of culture shock, specifically related to the money. There's a lot of money down here related to the culture in terms of people from all over the world, Europe, South America, the states, different parts of it. There was this whole melting pot of people. And so we started to say for about the first 18 months that we lived in this city, we actually coined the phrase, I hate this city. And I cannot wait to get out of here and get back to a place of normalcy where I can shuck corn on the weekends and I will be fine, okay? However, 18 months into our journey, we started to change our tone a little bit. And we started to change our tone from I hate this city to I love this city. If you've been around here for any length of time or you've been in the South Florida area, you know that there's a great nightlife here, that there's a lot of phenomenal food. The yachting community is really big. And there are people from all over the world that I mentioned that who we started to engage with and we started to get to know. And we started to change our tune from I don't want to be here anymore to... I like this place. That's why we chose to plant downtown Harbor Church right here in the heart of downtown Fort Lauderdale because we wanted to be present in our community and we wanted to engage with it. But if I was being real, I would also say to you that we live in a pretty interesting place, don't we? Have you seen any of the headlines? Okay, Because there's actually an entire website dedicated to this idea that I'm going to talk about. And it's called Florida Man, okay? So Florida Man is the name of the website. And it would kind of start out by like saying, Florida Man gets arrested for, okay? Well, it's a little bit unique down here. That's why there's no Iowa Man, okay? It just doesn't exist. There's a big website related to Florida Man. Maybe you've seen a couple of these. Check this, check this one out. Man attempts to sell live shark outside Fort Lauderdale Publix, okay? Have you seen this? True story. The craziest thing is, I'm watching this on the news as I come home. My wife comes in the door and she says, he is a patient of mine. I've treated this man. I said, you've got to be kidding me. 
This guy attempted to sell a live shark outside Publix. This is the kind of stuff we, we deal with down here. Here's another one. This one's great. This one, just get your shoes on because this one's phenomenal, okay? Florida man suspected of smelling woman's feet at library leads police on scooter chase. <laughs> Told you, this place is something. That don't happen in Idaho. It just doesn't, okay? This is a unique place that we live in. It's a unique town. But as we started to get to know our town a little bit more and we started to see some of these goofier things, a newer statistic was revealed to us and it wasn't as jovial. We've heard it a lot. And it's this, it's that 87% of people in South Florida don't engage with any local church. That 13% of people do and 87% of people in our community do not engage with any local church and I got to tell you something about me. In all of its dysfunction, in all of its things that, ha that it has, I love the local church. So that stat breaks my heart. But I'm not surprised because of what the local church has become. So we set out on a mission. A lot of us set out on this course and this path to redefine the church experience in the city of Fort Lauderdale. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. But before we dive into how we're going to do that, I want to take you on a journey. I want to take you on a journey all the way back to the beginning of recorded history, at least in the Bible, between God and man. And in the beginning times with God, when God and man first interacted in the Old Testament in the Bible, there were certain things that people did so that they could know God or obey God or show love to God. There was a certain set of rules and principles that these people called the ancient Jews or the Israelites had to do so that they could interact with, know God, obey Him, show love to Him. So I want to talk about a few of those things and what they are. And I'm going to use the word old because this is going all the way back the old way. This is the old way that this happened. So let's take a look at some of these things. Here's the first one, the Ten Commandments. Now, some of you in the room may have heard of the Ten Commandments. Many of you might not have. But this guy, Moses, a guy who was an ancient Jew, went up on the side of a mountain and got these ten laws from God. And basically these laws ranged from honor your mother and father, do not murder, all of those kind of things. And if you abided by those laws, then you were showing love to God. You were obeying God. You were knowing him better if you did these things. But they took these things so serious, the ancient Jews did, they didn't even want to get close to breaking these laws that they started to create more and more laws. They started to create more and more things to do weeks so that they could know God better. And they actually came up with 613 laws that they had to follow so that they could know God better. This was the way that they did this. This is the way that they engaged with their creator by keeping the law. And they did more things than that. They didn't just only keep the law. No, they did some other things. Because what happens when they broke the law? What happens when they did that word called sin? When they went against what God said? Well, they had to sacrifice things. Now, it seems kind of barbaric to us, but that's exactly what they did. They would sacrifice animals, and there were even some things they did where they had to spill the blood and rub it on different places, and they thought by doing this that this would get them closer to God and they were obeying Him. They also had rituals that they participated in. They participated in rituals that kind of allowed them to be what they considered to be a part of the family of God. Let's talk about one for a second. Let's talk about the one called circumcision. Now, um, some of you may have heard of circumcision before. If you haven't, 
You can Google it. However, I'd ask that you please get off the Museum of Discovery and Science Wi-Fi, especially while we're in the building, and please do not click on Google Image Search. Thank you so much. However, this was a ritual that people participated in, and when they did, it was almost as if that was their rite of passage to be accepted into the family of God. Remember that ritual, because we're going to talk about it in just a little bit at a detailed level. Not that detailed, though, okay? Here's another thing that they did, and it's kind of a jovial one, but it's true. This is part of the 613 laws. No polyester, okay? Some of you today would be out. I think I'd be out, I and mean, I don't know. But anyway, so these were some of the things that these ancient Jews, these ancient Hebrew people did to become closer to, to obey, and to know God better. And these things they did for thousands of years. And these were not bad things. These were things that they did in their lives to show love to God and to know Him better. But then something happened. Somebody showed up on the scene. Jesus. Now... There are some of you in this room who've heard of Jesus, and there are some of you who have gone, yeah, I think he might be a nice guy or whatever. We at Downtown Harbor believe that Jesus is who he said that he was. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, and we believe that. Here's the cool thing, though, about what we're doing at DHC. If you don't, or you're like, I don't know if that's true, I'm wrestling with that, I can't even really think about that right now, that's cool. We still want you here. You don't have to believe this to necessarily be in this room. We're telling you what we believe as we interpret so this guy, Jesus, showed up on the scene, and he took a look at all of these things that had happened in the past, and he approached these Jewish people with something different, something brand new. He actually redefined this for them. So I want to look in the book of Mark, chapter 12. If you have your Bible or your scriptures, you can turn to it, or on your phone or your iPad. Jesus said this in Mark, chapter 12, and here's what he said. First of all, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. Go back so you remember what I'm talking about. One of the teachers of the religious law, a person who was an ancient Jew who would uphold the law of all the things that I'm talking about. This was the person who would want those laws to succeed. Was standing there listening to the debate. Jesus always liked to debate with scholars and Pharisees and these people. They would wrestle back and forth. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important. And you have to understand something. Some of these people were beginning to believe that Jesus was who he said that he was. They were believing that he was the Son of God. So his answer to this, they were like hanging on it. They couldn't wait to see what he had to say because they thought he was going to say one of those Ten Commandments is the most important. This is what you need to do. And if you do, your life is going to be perfect. They were waiting for that. And when Jesus replied, he blew their minds. He absolutely flipped things upside down and changed everything in one sentence. Here's what he said. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. He's talking to the people who keep the laws. He's talking to the people who do what they're supposed to do. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Perfect. They thought this is great. Perfect. And then he said, the second, he threw them off. They only asked for one. He, the second is equally important. Equally important. Equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. That was not what they were expecting to hear. And Jesus said, the way that you show love to God 
is actually the way that you show love to other people. He revolutionized everything with that sentence. He changed it all. And he started to kind of spread this message of love and hope and peace. And people's minds for the first time were flipped on Ed because Jesus said, you don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to do these laws or these commandments or these rituals or these sacrifices or this circumcision anymore. The only thing that you have to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the way that you do that is by loving your neighbor as yourself. Don't do this anymore. See, what Jesus did in that one moment was he came to redefine how we know God. In that one moment, Jesus came to redefine how we know God. He changed everything. These people's minds were blown. They had been doing this for thousands of years. And then he comes along and says, gang, bros, you don't have to do this anymore. Stop doing this. Start showing God love by loving other people through faith in me. My goodness, they were blown away. Jesus came to redefine how we know God. But there's another guy that I want to talk about today. This was a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul has an important role in the history of the Jesus movement. Remember, we just talked about Jesus, and he flipped everything on its head, and then there was this guy that I want to talk about. Now, Paul, let me talk about him for a second. Paul was a keeper of the religious law. He was an ancient Jew. He was the guy who was keeping the law over and over again. His sole purpose was to protect the law. That is what he lived to do. And so sure enough, people who tried to change that, people who were a part of the Jesus movement, the love movement, Paul hated them. In fact, he sought out to kill Christians. He persecuted them. He wanted them dead because they were violating the law. Paul was at the core of his being the epitome of an ancient Jew who wanted to serve and protect the old way, the law. But then something happened. This guy went on a trip, and he was taking a trip on this road called the road to Damascus. And what happened on that road to Damascus changed his life because the scripture says that right there on the road to Damascus, Paul had a Jesus experience where he saw a big, bright, shining light, and it says the light blinded him, and then he heard a noise that was like a screeching noise, it says, and then all of a sudden he heard a voice, and the voice was Jesus, and he said, get up and follow me. And Paul, this guy who had been a keeper of the law, wanting to kill and persecute Christians over and over and over again, had a Jesus experience, and he started to follow Jesus. He got up and went into the next town, and his life was changed. Paul wrote over half the New Testament. Paul was a guy who, like I said, didn't want anything to do with the Jesus movement, and now was on a different track. And he started to plant churches just like we're doing here at DHC. They started to pop up all over. And Paul is probably one of the sole reasons that even today we are all sitting in this room because of what this guy did and the experience that he had and how he spread this Jesus movement, this love movement, this redefining movement. Well, Paul actually started a church in a town called Galatia. Now, scholars believe that Galatia is actually somewhere in the middle of modern-day Turkey. 
Okay, so you see Europe over here, you kind of get your bearings about you. Well, right here is modern-day Turkey, and Paul started a church there, and that church started to gain movement, and the, the Jesus movement started to, to, to take off there, and these people were being defined by their love. They were helping others. They were adopting children in the streets. They were there, and they were Jesus at his core, showing love to God by loving others, and this church popped up. But then something happened. And these people, who were part of the church in Galatia, tar started to sprinkle the law back in. They started to say, okay, this love your neighbor and love God thing, that's okay, this Jesus thing, that's good, but really, to be a part of what we're doing, you have to have this done to you. And more specifically, they talked about the word that I talked about earlier, circumcision. Okay, and let me back up for a second, just so you guys understand something about circumcision. We're not saying, and Paul is not going to say in a second, that circumcision is a bad thing. Circumcision is not necessarily a bad thing. Some of you might be, if you want to raise your hand, no, I'm just kidding, you don't have to do that. But what Paul was saying was don't sprinkle the old back into the new. It will crowd things, it will make it ugly, and you don't have to do it to follow Jesus. And what Paul wrote to the church in Galatia is so severe and he was so angry about what they were doing that I have to read it to you word for word because it is so powerful. Galatians chapter 5, if you want to turn along with us, we're going to start with verse 1. Here's what it says. Christ has set us free, free to enjoy our freedom. So remain strong in the faith. Don't let the chains of slavery. He called the old law slavery. That's how severe he thought that this was. He actually referred to it as slavery. Don't let the chains of slavery hold you again. Here is what I, Paul, say to you. Don't let yourselves be circumcised. If you do, Christ won't be of any value to you. I say it again. Every man who lets himself be circumcised must obey the whole law. If you do this and you have to obey this, you have to obey it all. You have to do every law. Don't go back. Jesus came to do something different. If you do that, you have to do the whole law. Some of you are trying to be made, made right with God by obeying the law. But you've been separated from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Paul was saying, gentlemen, ladies, do not go back. Why would you go back? If you go back, then you have to do it all. Then you have to do the Ten Commandments, the 613 laws, the sacrifices, the rituals. And some of you are wearing polyester now. That's okay. He said, don't back. But he goes on. And he gets more and more angry. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. You don't have to do it to follow Jesus. And then he says something that is so important and so powerful and so vital. I want everybody in the room to understand this to the core of their being this morning. The only thing that counts... No, Paul. <laughs> Wait a second. These have to count. No. The only thing that counts, the only thing, only, is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Stop for a second. Can you imagine if we got this right? Just this one thing. What would our cities be like? What would our communities be like? What would every single day that we live be like if the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love? 
He goes on. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And I believe what Paul was saying is that a little bit of the wrong thing messes up the whole thing. He goes, if you want to put this stuff back into this Jesus movement, if you want to put this old stuff back into this love your neighbor as yourself movement to show love to God, even a little bit is going to mess up the whole thing. And friends, look at where the church is today. Specifically, in our community where 87% of people don't engage with any local church. Because a little bit of the wrong thing messed up the whole thing. But he wasn't done. He got more hot. He said, dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that some of you, that you must be circumcised, some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Basically, you're cutting, cut the whole thing off. You want to mutilate people and bring it back in? And that's kind of a joke, but it's not. That's what he said. Mutilate your own selves if you want to do this. This is how serious this guy was. He knew that this would mess it up long term. And we sit some thousands and thousands of years later, and this is what he meant. This is how serious he was. For you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you, but when I think of the local church, I think of what it's like in this day and age. I don't think of this. I don't get a big glaring impression of this. This is what the whole law can be summed up with. Love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't seem to me that we're hitting on all cylinders. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Sounds to me to be a little bit more like that. And it breaks my heart. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're redefining the church experience in the city of Fort Lauderdale, because we have to. But back to the 87% of people who we know who don't engage with church, we went to them and we asked them, why don't you come to church? Why don't you come to be a part of these things? Because we'd really like to know. We're just trying to cry for answers to figure out what to get better. And sure enough, if things got in the way before and Jesus had to change it, things are getting in the way now. Jesus said, you don't have to do this anymore. But we've, in modern times, put new things in that are blocking people from hearing from God, that are blocking people from knowing God. They're just new things that we've invented. And I want to tell you about the five that we think have to go away and that we're going to never do here at Downtown Harbor Church because we want people to have a fighting chance at knowing who God really is. Here's the first one. Politics. Politics. Who are you voting for in 2016? Actually, that's none of our business. It has no place being in any church. Because no matter what 
side of the aisle you're on, you are always going to disagree with someone who is up here parading their political agenda. And people over the course of time who we've talked to, we've said, why do you not come to church? And they say, because they talk about this too much and I can't stand it and I don't want to deal with it. And you know what? Jesus did not talk about this either. We do not need to land here. This is not loving your neighbor as yourself. So at Downtown Harbor Church, we are never, ever going to do this. We are removing this. It's in the way from people knowing God. And you will never hear me talk about it again, even though I just did. Okay, that's, that's the last time. Here's, here's the next one. Inward focused. Somewhere along the way, I don't know when this happened, I was trying to figure it out, churches had the idea that when they could all come in and do events together and just be within the same walls and kind of hanging out with the same people, that that was a way that church should be done. And what happened is we developed self-centered, self-serving churches and people. We don't want to do this anymore. The last thing Jesus was ever focused on was himself. He never said, come and serve me. He said, go serve other people. That's what we're going to do. That's why we adopted Walker Elementary and are their number one lead partner. Can't wait to partner with them. It's our local school that's right over there. And we want people from downtown Harbor to sign up to volunteer to do things at Walker Elementary. And we met with them a couple weeks ago. And then we said, what do you need? And they said, we just need people to go on field trips with kids. We need people to come in and volunteer. We need all kinds of stuff. I said, this is why we can't focus on ourselves because there are people in our community who need focus on. And focused. Here's the next one fake. Ever met somebody who's involved in a church or was a Christian? You met them on Sunday and they were a different person when you saw he or she on Monday? It didn't make sense. Why do you have to change who you are to come in here? And the truth is you don't. The number one question I got from people coming to downtown Harbor Church this Sunday was, what's the dress code? And I said, what are you wearing? Like right now. And they were like, well, I don't know that I should say that. And I was like, okay, come in that. <laughs> Fake. You might see us who are here at the church here on Sunday. You might see us at Walker Elementary on Tuesday. You might see us meeting with someone over coffee and praying on Thursday. And you might see us out on the town on Saturday night. You know what? That's okay. That's Christianity in real life. Fake is a big, big deal. Here's another one that just, ooh, waste of time. Someone told me this the other day when I asked him, why don't you go to church? And he goes, what a waste of my time. I said, really? He said, now if anyone in the room is still awake now, I hope this has not been a waste of your time today. Okay? But this is not only for people who are visiting, but it's people who are trying out at church, but it's people who engage with churches because they get bogged down in committees and meetings and things that go on and on. I'll never forget, I was in a meeting a couple years ago and I got into the meeting and I, I asked, they go, so what are we talking about today? And they go, oh, it's open-ended. What do you guys want to talk about? I said, can we go home? Because I don't want to waste your time. We don't, we don't want our time wasted. Your time is valuable. You know what I wish people would do with their time? I wish they would go and spend it with the people that they cared about the most, their families. We don't want to waste people's time. And the last one is really, really kind of emotional. It's really, really powerful. It's the number one reason we've heard from people why they don't engage with the church, and it's this. It's conditional acceptance. You pass by them every day. There are churches who have signs and they're out on the street and it says, you are welcome. And then when push comes to shove, a box is drawn. If you're really welcome and you want to engage with us, 
you have to check this off and this off and this off and this off and you have to agree with us on all fronts and then finally we will let you in that is not how it was ever supposed to be and here we will never ever ever do that you are welcome right where you're at at all moments no matter how much baggage and messed upness you have because we all have it no matter what you believe or what you think always know there is a seat for you here at downtown harbor church here's why this makes me so sad because we focused so much on this we missed the real message we missed the message of jesus that redefining message of knowing god by loving others and because we focused on this it's actually caused us as the church and people inside the church to treat people wrongly and i will say this as loud as anybody can hear my voice and as blunt as i can if your beliefs cause you to treat someone the wrong way then something is wrong with your beliefs that is absolutely not what jesus came to do on this earth and if your beliefs cause you to treat someone the wrong way then they need to be reevaluated and re-looked at and if you call yourself a christian and you are a follower of jesus and you're a part of the jesus movement and this is in your life some evaluation needs happen started to sprinkle the old thing back in long ago and it's manifested into new things here in modern day times in the modern day church they're the same things they're just what we created and they're new and they're in the way of people hearing the message of jesus if we cling to the old things we will miss the main thing if we cling to the things of the past or we cling to the new things that we've created then you will miss the main thing and i have to tell you guys something all of this up here all of it means nothing and most christians i know care way more about this than they care about loving their neighbor as themselves we just created new old things because if we cling to the old things we will miss the main thing and i believe that these things are so loud i believe that they are so glaring that they are in the way of the main message i believe when you talk to someone about why they don't go to church or why they won't engage with the church they will tell you these things and these things are so blasted in their ears they're so loud that they say i can't even be a part of what those people are like and what those people are about because i don't want to be associated with this and i'll tell you one thing neither do we that's why we set out to redefine the church experience in the city of fort lauderdale so we have to start somewhere so at downtown harbor church we are going to take all of these things away we're going to strip them away so that you and people you might know have a real fighting shot at hearing the message of christ we actually believe that we are in a city full of people who are waiting to hear from God. We believe we're in a city full of people who are going, God, say something to me. Say something. I know you're there, but I can't hear you because this is too loud. I don't want to be a part of this. But these are so loud, they're consistently met with silence. No more, no longer. See, 
When we talk about redefining, you might come in here and think, or even people who've seen what we're doing on social media or engaged with us, they might think these people are trying to do something new to change the church, to do something different, to kind of mess it up. And I will tell you something. No, 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 no. We're just actually trying to take it back the way that Jesus said it should be. The city's saying, God, say something to us. We need you. So maybe today, for the first time ever, you heard it loud and clear. Maybe some of you haven't heard it for a long time. Today, you heard it. God, we want you to say something to us. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for just this group of folks in this room who are excited and passionate about the same things we're excited about. And I am so thankful that you've given us just a vision or an idea or something where we can go back to how it was supposed to be, not all this mess. I don't want to deal with and these folks don't want to deal with and so would you help us sift through it it's going to be hard but there's so much on the line it's so important that we actually go back to the way it was supposed to be there are people in this city who are dying to hear what you have to say so God help us do that we pray it all in Jesus